Hello and welcome to Beer Prime, episode 23, Pilot Brewing. Hi there, thanks for joining me today. In a short while, I'll be speaking with Pat Jones, co-founder of Pilot Brewing in Leith, Scotland. Before that, and instead of beer news, I also had a little chat with some guys from Liverpool who are filming a six-part comedy set in a brewery. I spoke to Matthew Reynolds and Regan Kelly. Right, okay, so if you want to introduce yourself, guys. My name is Matthew Reynolds. I'm the writer and director of an upcoming web series all about craft beer called Virtual's Pints. Okay. Um, and I'm Regan Kelly, and I'm an executive producer and I'm also starring in an upcoming web series called Virtual's Pints. Fantastic. Okay, so Virtual's Pints, obviously that's uh, all about beer. So tell us the uh, the premise of the show. So it's about these two brothers that have this craft brewery right in the heart of Liverpool's Baltic Triangle. And it's about all the battles that they go across along the way. You know, that they're this, they're this 9% IPA. So they have this really... Um, like dedicated follow following but a lot of the general public aren't on their side they see them as quite dodgy very irresponsible um they come head to head with all sorts of people there's an mp that they blackmail into lowering their beer tax there's a trendy rival brewery who's run by this really charismatic guy called alfie gigglesberg who just makes them look ridiculous um there's drinker there's a drink aware activist who's like basically tries to take them to court, you know, because she says that they're too irresponsible. It's basically them trying to, they're always well-intentioned, but they find themselves into a lot of trouble and we wanted to explore a load of themes. Right, okay. And Regan, who do you play? I am playing a man called Barry Hardcock. And he is not well-known with the Birchalls because the Birchalls can't stand this bloke. And he's a brewery inspector and he can't stand the Birchalls one bit. Right. But he's he's sort of a national treasure in my eyes, the way I take the character. He's seen as a national treasure in the eyes of the public, but specifically to the Birchalls, they can't stand him one bit. <laughs> okay. Right. So this uh is this have you started filming already or? It's all written. We start filming in late June and filming will end in August. Right. Okay. And uh, when can we expect to see it? I, I understand it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So we're going to upload it to Prime um, and it should hopefully hopefully be out this time next year. Um, obviously nothing's set in stone yet, but that is the intention. And, you know, yeah, it'll be out next year. I'm pretty yeah. certain. Okay. Fantastic. And uh, you've got a crowdfunder going, which I understand comes to a close this Friday. So can you give us the details about how people can get onto that and uh, contribute if, they, if they'd like to? Yeah, so basically we've been posting it all over social media, all over Instagram, Facebook. But we also have a link to an, our Indiegogo page, which we've also posted around various social media sites. And little story about our crowdfunding is this is how I got involved with the project as I donated um, some money and I came on 
on the back of being an executive producer through it. And I think it's a brilliant experience. The um, guys are brilliant. The writing's brilliant. The scripts are fantastic. It's what drew, drew me into it, to be honest. Right. And overall, the atmosphere has been great. And we haven't even met up yet, but I just get a great vibe from it. Fantastic. So what's the address for that if people want to go, or if, maybe your socials if they want to go and have a look at uh, everything? So if you Google Indiegogo, all one word, Virtuals Paints, it will come up. Our Instagram, which is where it's our kind of main base for social media, it is at Some Guys With A Camera. We're also Some Guys With A Camera on Facebook, and we are SGWAC on Twitter. Right. Fantastic. Whereabouts are you filming? We'll be in uh, filming in Liverpool, in okay. various hotspots. But you're filming in a, a particular brewery for the for the brewery. Yeah. yeah so we've got um, very kindly we've managed to get um, Carnival Brewery, which is in the Baltic Triangle. It's kind of everything that we wanted from the location. It's this very trendy part of Liverpool, so it's absolutely perfect. It's right on the River Mersey as well, so you know, stunning views, and it's just going to look fantastic. We're going to go and have a look around in a week's time or so, and just have a look around and. Yeah, plot France, plan some shots and things, but it's just very exciting. Excellent. Okay, well, that sounds really, really exciting. So uh, any anybody wants to go and have a look at the crowdfunding. So that was Some Guys With A Camera on uh, Instagram, or at, obviously, Some Guys With A Camera, and uh, Indiegogo, Virtuals Pints, if you want to look for the crowdfunding. Um, so that sounds brilliant. Look forward to seeing that next year. Let's talk about your favourite beers, guys. What's uh, what's usually in your glass? Yeah, my go-to would be a punk IPA. It's just got to be um, punk IPA or what else do I? Yeah, let's go with a punk IPA rather than complicate it and start listing a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, yours, Regan? Well, mine. I don't know how controversial this may be to the people of Liverpool, but a Guinness. I give it Guinness. Guinness, just because. Yeah, just because again, because you can't describe again. <laughs> it's just again. <laughs> you should try some if you ever see in uh, in the shops uh, nitro stouts, um, like Brewdog, for example. Uh, you mentioned Matt. You mentioned um, uh, Punk IPA. Brewdog do uh, a nitro stout called Jet Black Heart. Uh, so that would be one to try. But any nitro stouts, because essentially Guinness is a nitrogenated stout. Um, and if you want to try some other nitro stouts, you'll get the same kind of feel of it. Um, but in my opinion, you'll get a better pint. So give those a go, some nitro stouts. <laughs> on my list. That's your research, Regan. That's your yeah. research. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but by the time you start filming, you have to have had five different other nitro stouts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's been> worse. <laughs> Well, there were worse things. There were worse things to do for research, right? I mean, oh, am I right? As long as, it's, as long as it's not the night before the filming and you're turning up like a zombie, it's all fine. Yeah, can't exactly. promise that, Matt. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks very much for chatting with me tonight, guys. And uh, so, if you want to sort of go over anything again, just before we close. Yeah, yeah, just a quick reminder. Um, if anyone is interested in the sound of the show, well, that's amazing. Just remember that our crowdfunder ends on Friday evening, um, UK time. So, yeah, don't. Um, I would hate for anyone to intend to 
help us out and then see that it's closed. But it does end Friday, Friday the 30th of April, evening UK time. Just some of the perks that you can get in exchange for donations. If you donate £10, you can have your name in the credits of every episode. If you ba- happen to be based in the Northwest, you can be an extra in the show if you donate £30. Or what's turned out to be quite a popular one, actually, if you donate, if you're generous enough to donate a hundred pounds, you can actually have a fictional beer named after you in the show's universe. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Amongst um, many other perks as well, they're just some of the highlights. Yeah, but of course they'll all be on the Indiegogo page for for people. It's to all on them. Also, yeah, I do strongly advise people to do that if they aren't interested, because from my experience, it, it was money well spent, to be honest. Yeah. And it goes to, it goes towards quality filming and quality company as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So get that done by this Friday, if you're listening on Friday. Uh, some of some of my uh, listeners do tend to listen at the weekend. So hopefully those people got uh, the people that get in early, get on there on Friday, uh, before Friday, not on Friday, and uh, get some funding in and get a, yeah some either name and credits or a beer named after you. Brilliant. Excellent. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. No problem. Cheers. Thank you for having us. So if that sounds interesting to you and you'd like to help fund their project, search for Indiegogo, all one word, and Birchall's Pints, uh, or look on their socials, which are at Some Guys With A Camera on Instagram and at SGWAC on Twitter. But be quick, if you're interested uh, and you're listening on launch night or before the 30th of April, then get straight over there as the crowdfunder closes this Friday, 30th of April. And they're filming the brewery scenes at Liverpool's Carnival Brewery. Okay, now it's time to welcome Pat Jones from Leith's Pilot Brewing. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, Pat. How are you today? I am good. I'm extremely tired after a couple of weeks prepping for, for beer gardens opening on Monday. But yeah, other than that, good. It's good to be busy again. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously for those listening in England, pub gardens don't open till till Monday in Scotland. So Yeah, Monday, got, Monday the twenty-sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got all, all that to come that we've been through over the last couple of weeks here. <laughs> yeah, we'll learn from your mistakes and uh Oh good, good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it seems that uh, that's been the way that it's been over the last year, isn't it, really, with Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland all learning from England's mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you might say more than a year, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we've, it's, it's definitely been it's been a slower approach to unlocking here, and you know, I, we've definitely taken a more cautious approach here. And yeah, I, I, I would probably agree with with it being the right thing, but I think we're all ready for a pint now, definitely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I'm ready for a pint as well. Actually, I'm ready for uh, the first beer of the evening. So we're going to be opening the Blonde, which is, let's have a look on the can. I've seen the ABV here, 4%. Yeah. Right. Little, so, light, light little number to start off with. Brilliant. Excellent. So uh, tell me about this beer. So Blonde, <laughs> we we jokingly say that uh, we invented the New England Pale Ale with it, which is <laughs> not true. Um, but yeah, so back in... 20, uh, 2013 when we started we thought we're going to do a pale ale light abv put a load of oatmeal in and some some new world hops and at, at the time you know five grams a liter of galaxy and amarillo was pushing the pushing the limit a bit for us and you know now it's 
God, you wouldn't even blink at putting that in. But it's it's just a beer that does really well for us because it's it's got that new world hop character, but it's not, you know, it is not a big hop bomb, but it's a nice tropical, easy going sort of pale. And uh, it ended up being called blonde because we we sometimes think what we do sits somewhere between traditional British and American craft. You know, we, we never wanted to be just an American craft brewery plonked in Scotland. Um, so it's it's so an evolution of the kind of much much derided blonde ale, but it's it's a pale ale really. Okay, and so the oats help with a good mouthfeel, do they? They help with a mouthfeel, yeah, and just just giving it a little bit more more um for a four percenter. You know, it's um, in twenty thirteen that was that was a lot of that was a lot of galaxy. You know, now it's you know you wouldn't if if I wouldn't do an IPA with that much hop in it. Let's um, so um, you know you the subsequent IPA we'll have later has got I think three or four times the dry hop in there. So it's. Yeah. It is nice and light. It's a it's a good pint. Mm. Yeah, as you say, a good one to start off on. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing too big, nothing that's going to overpower the other beers. And I thought, stick it in first because the the bigger flavors are yet to come. Absolutely. So you mentioned about starting up in twenty thirteen. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of the brewery. What? How did it all start? Uh, so the the kind of the very the very brief version is myself and Matt, my business partner, whilst both living in Edinburgh, didn't know each other. Um, separately had midlife crises, left our jobs to do um, study brewing and distilling at Harriet Watt. Very first day, I got lost and was late for the uh, getting to know you meeting, and the last chair left was next to Matt. Sat down to him, and that that was it. Really, we got on really well. Um, both of us are a little bit, little bit older than a lot of people on the course. Um, based in Edinburgh as well, it just it seemed like the natural thing to do then would be to just just start a brewery. You know, we kind of neither of us wanted to go back to to working for someone else. Um, so we started started home brewing together whilst on the course. Got an absolute steal on the secondhand kit. So there was a there was a brew pub built uh in a kind of cinema and bowling complex in edinburgh at fountain bridge um that was built in the back end of the 90s but they got it wrong it was basically a kind of sub weatherspoons cinema pub with a with a brewery in it for some reason right uh, and it just it didn't work and the the company that owned it put a put an estate agent in charge of selling it and he didn't really know what he had on his hands so we we kind of put in a fairly derisory offer and he sold it to us, at which point we went, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a brewery. Neither of us had done any commercial brewing. Neither of us had run a business before. So, yeah, it's a steep learning curve. But, yeah, so we moved moved the brewery across town. Just just cracked on with it, really. Um, we hadn't done that much home brewing when we started up either. We'd done a bit, so we were right. I, I think if we were to enter the market now, how we did then, we'd have, we'd be in all sorts of trouble. You know, it was it craft, for want of a better word, was just really starting to take off then. So you were still able to, you were still able to make mistakes in public 
in a way that I think you probably can't get away with now. So we had had a bit of a learning curve, but we, you know, we did some good beers. You know, we did the blonde very early on and the mochaccino stout as well. So beers, you know, beers that are still with us now and still sell well. But we, you know, we had some that we probably won't talk about as well. <laughs> very much left by the wayside, and that's oh, yeah. that's it really. So okay, we, we spent yeah, spent spent yeah, we ended up in that building for sort of five years. We were ready to move in 2016, but various things fell through. Various buildings fell through, and it, it took another two years to actually get us shifted to the current premises where we've, as of the start of May, there'll be six and a half of us in the team then. So it's, it's starting to be a real, real little, real business, you know. <laughs> it's gone yeah. from guys in a shed to like, <laughs> you know, we send in, send in beer to Italy and I, well, not not Italy anymore since Brexit. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, sending beer around around the UK still and a lot of it as well. Excellent. Well, that's great news. Um, so, of course, everybody listening will have detected by now that you're not actually Scottish. No, the, yeah, the, the keener aid amongst the listeners will have, will have spotted <laughs> that. No, I'm, I'm from Salford, down by Manchester. Yeah. Um, but I've actually, I came up to Edinburgh in 2000 to, to do my first degree um, at Edinburgh. So I've, I've been in, I think I've been in Edinburgh now longer than I was ever in Salford, but. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I've not picked up the accent yet. Cause I'm, do you know, I've been, I've, yeah, I've been in both of them about 20 years now. So right. yeah, my, my partner's Scottish, my wee boy's Scottish and um, I, I can't ever see myself leaving. I love it. You know, I, I came up to do, did various university open days and saw Edinburgh and just, you know, coming from Salford to Edinburgh, I just, it was like another world. I fell in love with it. And I just, I just couldn't see myself wanting to live anywhere else. Sure. No, absolutely. It's a lovely city. Obviously. So, yeah. Okay. So we started up in 2013 and here we are uh, coming out, hopefully of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, I guess, would know of you primarily or, or first off from your social media presence uh, because <laughs> yeah. you, you've got quite a, um, quite a following on Twitter, I guess from some people who may have started following you before even tasting your beers from, from the, uh, the output of your tweets. And I'm just going to go through a couple because, I mean, I'm going to start with the pinned tweet because, of course... It's been there since 2017. Um, and the pin tweet is, we're only stuck with this stupid brewery because of a typo when we tried selling a load of artisan bees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, the regular regular um, theme of tweets, I haven't seen one in a little bit, quite often tweets about uh, being bought out by AB InBev. Well, yeah, there's well, my ulterior motive to that one is when we actually do sell out, no one can say I didn't warn them. <laughs> no, beer, Twitter, beer Twitter can say what it wants about it, but it was all it was all there in the open. That's right. Yeah, you 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 never uh, hid your light under a bushel. That's for sure. No, no, people <laughs> people think that one's a joke, but yeah. <laughs> so what? So if they if they approached you, then you'd you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> you'd be you'd have to be a better human being than me not to listen if someone waved a check for twenty million quid in your face. But oh, of course, yeah. we are we are so we're a million miles away from being that kind of level that they'd be looking at. That you know, for now, it's fun. You know, um, we're actually doing a job that we like doing. And I don't think you can ask for much more than that. It would it would have to be a hell of a thing to give that up, you know. We have a thing where, you know, when the Euro Millions gets up to about 80 million quid, we all enter because suddenly that's worth winning. And we, <laughs> yeah. we, you talk about what you do with it, but the reality is, you know, right now, if I had that much money and wasn't working, I'd, you know, I'd be sitting in my pants eating crisps all day. And I don't think that would be, I don't think that would be good for anyone. Um, so it's kind of, it's, I, we joke about ABM, it's, it's not a conversation we have seriously. We're not expecting them to ring us up anytime soon, but you know, if, if any, if you're listening, you know, do, do give us a call. Yeah, absolutely. If if any, if, because you know, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, there, I have regular ABM Bev uh, executives listen to this podcast. <laughs> not. <laughs> Looking back on some of the most recent tweets as well, um, you've also got uh, a tweet that, uh, congratulations, by the way, on being the official beer partner of the European Super League. <laughs> oh, did you, are you a football fan? Do you, did you... I am, and I'm, I'm unfortunately ashamed to say that I am a fan of one of the six. And you being from Salford, I'm guessing you might be as well. Me too, yeah, uh, United fan. Yeah, yeah. Me, I'm well, Arsenal. I mean, less less so, less so. Um, um, I used to, me and my dad in the pre-Premier League days went to Old Trafford a bit, sort of very late 80s, 90s when I was a kid. But then we actually, we got into rugby league. So that's my that's my real sporting love. But yeah, watching, watching that fall apart in real time on Twitter was just sensational. It was... Oh, absolutely. Really... Right, okay. Uh... Back on to beer. Back onto beer. Yeah, absolutely. Which well, of the flowers shall we? Let's start with the Philly. Yeah. Because the Philly is, it's a very interesting beer. It's more subtle than probably the other two we're going to have. So let's let's do that one first. Right. Okay. I read that this is a, a sour, not from fruit, but from a particular yeast found in a, a cemetery in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's Quite interesting. It, it's really interesting. So yeah, the other the other sours we do are kettle sours, use a lactobacillus to make the lactic acid, yada yada yada. Whereas this is it's the yeast that does everything, and that's it's just an interesting thing to play around with as a brewer. I mean, I don't do that 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 much of the brewing anymore, but you know, as as a brewer, you kind of when things like this come onto the market, you think that's let's have a bash and see. So it's it's a really interesting ferment, you know, it, it starts off really slowly and sours over a couple of days and then that happens. And then, then the, the fermentation starts happening and it just, it's quite a clean sour, but it's, mm. if you throw some simple sugars at it, it gives these lovely kind of peachy apricot sort of esters. And it's, we've done it really light at three, is it 3.2%? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the idea was just to make a really nice, clean smashable sour for you know drinking at barbecues in the summer and you you can have a few of them and yeah oh absolutely i bet 3.2 and it's it's very refreshing as you said in the summer um hot weather at a barbecue this would be definitely smashable it doesn't give you 
super sourness in the way you can do with a lacto or something like that. It's it's a really nice sort of tangy sourness. Um, and we stuck it in a bright pink can as well for Instagrammability. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. Um, it's it's flown out. It's basically sold out, which for uh, a beer like this, we were, we were expecting it to do well. We weren't expecting it to do as well as it's done because it's, you know, sours at the moment are triple fruited monsters and this is no fruit low abv it's it's not the one that's ticking a lot of the sort of on tap boxes but mm. not really our market anyway um and it's, it's, yeah. it's just absolutely flown out i've only really got into sours over the last year or so to be honest and this is just perfect it pitches it just right because it's sour yes but it's not stripping the back of my throat as i'm as i'm drinking it it's uh it's just absolutely spot on oh thanks man yeah we really i um i had my way back when we were on the doing the brewing degree about a dozen of us um went to belgium for a weekend and we we turned up in flew to brussels said we'd go out for a couple of pints that night before the train to bruges the next day and ended up in um delirium cafe drinking pints of rodenbach grand cru yeah that was a long night <laughs> i bet <laughs> we, we we wound up in Bruges, got to the hostel we were staying in, and the guy says, oh, what are you all doing here? We said, oh, we're brewing students. And he says, oh, you can get your tickets around the corner. And we said, well, you, tickets for what? And he went, the Bruges Beer Festival, which is presumably why you're here. And we... You didn't even know. had no idea it was that weekend. <laughs> um, so we we did that, and, yeah, it, that was it was fantastic, but it had so much sour beer that... I was not I, that I was not into sours at the time, and I was really trying to sort of start to understand them. But my, I just, I honestly, I just felt my stomach go weird. We drank so many, I had to go for a lie down and just <laughs> Jupiter for the evening because it was oh. But I mean, what an experience! But yeah, then we went back to Brussels, and I just remember being quite hungover. We did the tour of Cantillon, and I just I couldn't even drink them. It was you know there was. Cantillon are obviously brilliant, but there's just, there's no sweetness there whatsoever. And it was yeah. top of a hangover. It was, oh, just a very unpleasant experience. We all take the piss out of the fruit sours and whatever, but that's just for sheer, you know, drinkability. Like, there's a reason they've gone massive. Mm. Part of our philosophy we've always had, as you know, as I say, me and Matt, you know, we're both both in our 40s now. So we've we've been drinking long before craft beer was a thing. And Pub culture has been a big, you know, big part of our lives. So for us, we've always wanted to make the beers that you want another one of. You know, you'll stick on that beer for an evening and have five or six of them, and that that'll be that. So we we've always got, you know, we do big barrel age stuff as well, but we don't knock out nine, ten percent triple IPA over and over again because it's it's not what it's not where we've come from and it's it's not what we're about. And yeah, these this, you know. 3% sour. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to go under the radar. Mm. But an awful lot of it's going to go under the radar. You know, it's people are buying this by the case. It's much easier to get more depth to a sour at low ABV than it is a, you know, a non-sour beer. So it, mm. it's a it's a thing that's that's missing. You know, obviously, you know, Berliners go way back, but people aren't doing that. They're doing really high ABV sours whereas actually you can pack an awful lot of punch into a lower ABV. And that, that for me is a trick that a lot of people are missing. And that, that's really yeah. why this one. 
Yeah. People ask us why we do the 330 mil cans when everyone else does 440s and 500s. And like, you know, I've got a four-year-old. Matt's got like three kids. One, Joseph's only two or three. I think, you know, a 440 of a 10% beer and when you're getting woken up at six in the morning, mm. it's, it's too much. So yeah, you know, a couple of little 330s of something nice and light is really what works for us. Our assumption is that, well, hopefully there's more people like us who, who want that kind of thing. And there seems to be, touch wood. Absolutely, you're right. I mean, I love getting a 440 of something, absolutely. But there is a cutoff level. Yeah, and as as I say, it's for us, this is, this is how we like to drink. As I often get in trouble on Twitter when people kind of go, these cans are too small. And I politely point out, if you open another one, that's, that's twice as much. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, it you know, people go on about the size of the can, but on your web shop, you know, these beers obviously it depends on what the beer is, but for the for the most part, they you know they're from like two fifty oh. uh, a can. So you know, for what people buy a four forty of something for like five, six, seven pounds, you know, if they're buying two of of your three thirties, they're getting more beer than the, the four forty for the same kind of price. So. One of the one of the things that makes me kind of more more pleased than anything else when COVID hit, we you know we didn't have a web shop, we didn't have an on-site shop, we didn't have anything, but we you know we very quickly pivoted to use the use the parlance um, and opened up our on-site shop, got the window, and we got a couple of Leith old boys who come every week and buy a six pack of blonde, and that you know these are not guys who you would expect to see in your you know your craft beer bar or whatever, but it's good beer and it's affordable. It's not yeah. the cheapest in the world, but it's, you know, at 250 a can, it's not, it's not out the way. No, absolutely. That's important for me. Um, we got given by one of the bottle shops we supply. We were, we were tasting at the brewery earlier, a 440 can of uh, other half, um, 8% dipper. Really good. It's 12 quid. Yeah. You know, it's 12 quid and, a, you know, it was really good. There's breweries, you know, within a, not very big radius of us making beers every bit as good and you know i did absolutely don't want to sound like i'm saying this beer was shit it wasn't it was great but it wasn't a level of great above what is being made in most cities in the uk now to warrant well shipping it across the atlantic and selling it for 12 quid i just mm. for me it was i was expecting to be blown away and i realized that actually i don't think you could do a beer in that style that would blow me away now Mm. um i think i think we've you know i know i knew what it was going to taste like before i tasted it and it did and it was very good yeah I, I wouldn't have i'd have felt i'd have wasted 12 quid if i'd have spent it yeah it was it was two expectations rather than exceeding expectations yeah and well I, this is it and i kind of i can't i can't imagine a beer in the sort of new england style now that would exceed my expectations i can't i can't see how it would happen you know how yeah. how easy can you make a beer? But I mean, you no. Know, what you're saying there is is exactly twelve quid for a can. If you were to be going into that uh, bottle shop and and decided to pick it up to give it a go, you wouldn't buy a second one. I mean, firstly because you'd be too scared of what if I don't like this? Uh, I've got another one and I've spent twenty four quid. But even if you think you're going to like it, you know, twelve quid is pushing the boat out for a beer, so you wouldn't be buying a second. Whereas, you know, the price point that you're selling your beers for, you know, buying a six pack, it, it you know, just is so much more cost effective. 
Oh, this this is what I think. And you know, that's what I like. I like buying us having a six pack in the fridge, getting back on a Friday, cracking a can. It's still cold by the time you get to the bottom. I drink it out of the can because I'm a heathen and uh, <laughs> have another one. Uh, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about beer names. Are you, have you ever been tempted to go down that route? Because obviously your beers are named pretty much just what the style is, which is great because, you know, at the end of the day, you're informing people what they're buying. But a lot of other breweries go down the route of uh, such elaborate and uh, puntastic names. Have you ever been tempted on that? <laughs> no, um, is the very short answer. Um, <laughs> naming beers is our least favourite thing about brewing. You know, we did, we decided to do an IPA finally and called it an IPA. And then doing more IPAs becomes very difficult because, you know, you've, we've done that joke. So, yeah, then we've got the subsequent IPA coming. Um, but that's, you know... That's a joke that's a very limited lifespan. Um, it's honestly, we, some, some of them, you know, peach Melba sour, Philly table sour, they, they fall out. That's great. Then some of the other beers we have just labored over. It was, it was really difficult during lockdown when the first one where, you know, well, actually, no, it wasn't the first one. It was, it was later on when we, we were finally actually had people back but we were we were not seeing each other at the brewery, so we were trying to name beers via a WhatsApp group, and it got quite tetchy, and it was just it was just at the time, and it, it it's very difficult trying to because you have to think you have to think commercially, you have to think is this gonna sell, but equally, yeah, that whole sort of writing a novella kind of as your beer title, it, it's just it's not who we are, and it's not. You know, I'm from I'm from the north of England. Matt's from Croydon. We get we get very very uppity at the first sign of pretension, and um, so we, we've always kind of gone gone down the say what it is route. But eight years in, when you're doing similar styles again with a you know sort of that, then becomes difficult. We've had a no puns rule since the day we set up because you know, as I say, we set up when craft was relatively new and it was you know real ales with horrendous puns as names so we yeah we only we've only ever done puns if the joke is how bad the name is um <laughs> we, we, and that's only that's only ever been on specials and collabs and things like that yeah but you know again you put your commercial hat on and you see you see how everyone else is naming the beers and you think should we be doing that and then mm. you we'll just keep doing what we do yeah and well we, you know i mean it works for the colonel they literally just to say it's parallel with centennial parallel with citra whatever you know that literally is the the style so i think i don't know i think at the end of the day i don't mind a funnily named beer but so long as if i can quite plainly see especially when you're going to a bottle shop and you're looking on the shelf and you've got a hell of a lot of beer to look at being able to see instantly what that beer is, what the style is, it you know it helps a great deal. So, oh, um, yeah. I mean, let's be honest though. If you go into the bottle shop and it's a four forty mil can with some abstract art stuck on it and a eighteen word name, it's gonna be an eight percent double IPA. Probably, <laughs> yes. And it's, it's gonna be about nine quid. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Okay. So let's move on to Peach Melba Sour. As we were just saying there, name-wise, we know exactly what to expect with this one. Does what it says on the tin. Yeah. So whilst I'm pouring out the Peach Melba Sour, let's talk a little bit about the, yeah, the, the Time for a Brew podcast, World Cup of Breweries. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you, you didn't make it through to the semis uh, this uh, year. I was rooting for you. I'd voted for you as well. I was hoping that you would get in, but unfortunately, but but of course, you know, you were defending champions, and last year you beat Siren Craft Brew in the final. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't get too angry at Green Duck winning this by invoking Twitter kind of follow, <laughs> given what happened last year. Like, <laughs> I will defend our beers to the hilt, but yeah, beating Siren, I think possibly an element of uh, social media following came into it possibly but you know it's a it's a funny thing that was last year that came at a good time because it was you know that that was still the kind of time of the pandemic when you know it really wasn't clear how how things were going to pan out for the business you know furlough had happened but in terms of other support there was nothing and back in March last year we were 80% kegs to pubs so that was a tough time so that that little distraction and winning that was actually, it was really nice, you know, and ultimately it's meaningless. You know, it's no one, despite the kind of, you know, joke narkiness when you get knocked out, it doesn't matter. No one cares. But equally, it was nice to get that little sort of pat on the back, you know, just going, be all right, people like you. Um, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, this... uh episode is going out after the weekend when the final is happening so so let's record a congratulations to green dark and a congratulations to verdant and i'll leave the right one in (laughs) um i mean do absolutely no shade being thrown here but let's be honest we don't need to do the verdant one (laughs) (laughs) i mean we got absolutely trounced by verdant in the the group match we were in with them and you know, probably rightly so. But yeah, once that once that cat account gets going, green yeah, I, I think it just goes. It does show you how Twitter works, really, doesn't it? Because it, I mean, as you said, as you said yourself for last year, you know, your, your beers are great, but perhaps there was a little bit in the kind of the Twitter following. So Green Duck are really just basically using your tactic from from last year. I think it's also I. I haven't had any green duck beers. We don't see them up here, but I've heard good things from, you know, I I think it's kind of important to say that this isn't, you know, this isn't some bunch of chances with a cat account following them. No, of course. As I kind of, from what I've heard, they make really good beers and that, but yeah, you know, it's Twitter in it. It's, yeah. It's it's one of the, to me, that's the fun side of Twitter as well. Just that kind of mucking about. I mean, you know, Green Duck, I also haven't had any. And having heard the same kind of thing as you, that they do p- produce some good beers, I'm actually now probably put in an order and, and grab some of their beers. You know, that's actually a very good thing for them. They're getting that exposure. I'm sure I read, uh, this could be complete nonsense. I, I don't, really don't read that much on Twitter anymore. But I'm sure I saw something, someone saying they were going to put an order, but their web shop was sold out. And that's brilliant. Really? That's absolutely brilliant, you know. Yeah. Let's be honest, the likes of Verdant and Northern Monk and Siren, they don't actually need help selling their beer, you know. 
they make great beer and it sells itself. Whereas for us, for Green Duck, for for the little guys, yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here kind of mumping and moaning because we got knocked out. You know, it's <laughs> to be honest as well. The way this week's been gone saved me a lot of time actually having to do the later rounds. You yeah. know. To, to canvas for votes in the final yeah once you get to the final and you want to pretend that you're aloof and you don't want to win it but actually you do want to win it you have to put quite a lot of time into it which you know we <laughs> don't have at the moment so no no quite right uh, there have been some arguments flying around on twitter and of course that yeah. was the beer into supermarkets and of course i know beer's been going into supermarkets forever but specifically the cloud water beers yeah um, What's your take on that? To be brutally honest, I'm I'm not much fussed either way. You know, we wasn't like the likes of Cloudwater. We're in different worlds to a large degree, so it's I can absolutely understand why independent bottle shops are. Some of them are a bit taken aback and sort yeah. of you know, this this isn't going to be good for us. But you know, even if people go and buy Cloud, there's other breweries to fill the void now. For me, the interesting question is: it, so the what they've what they've done with the 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 collab box set, I think, is great. You know, that's that is the profile of breweries who are really gonna, you know, would have struggled to get that otherwise. But I, I think the question, um, and as I say, I I don't read much Twitter anymore. Is for the for those breweries when you when you're young and small, there are things that seem like great ideas, but that actually you know, aren't necessarily, they might be great, they might not be. And I think the question for that they should ask themselves is, do they want to be in Tesco's? And it might well be, yeah, it might, well, it is, yeah, they've done it. But the business that we, well, we only do independent business. We've had approaches from the supermarkets. We've heard people out, we've not done it. Because actually doing business with local independent people is great. You know, I I left a job in a big pensions company in a big open plan office big corporate environment to do this and actually i like that some days i still do deliveries and i go out and have a chat and a cup of coffee and we've been doing install work this week and you know doing one at a canadian diner and they give us a burger for lunch and <laughs> wrapping up pallets and then chasing supermarkets for payment doesn't strike me as a great deal of fun if you want to make big money it's the only way to go you've yeah. got you've got to do that for the volume but you know beyond a certain point it would be nice. To, I mean, uh, we're not earning the kind of salaries we'd like to earn, but beyond a certain point, quality of life's where it's at. You yeah. know, we're a small team of six people, well, six and a half, and it's nice. You know, the environment's great. It's hard, and it's hard keeping the head above water because you are small and that, but, you know, sending your monthly sales invoice to Tesco's and filling in a spreadsheet and just building a pallet and send it, it's not, it's not a great deal of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, a lot of people's criticism of beer that does go into Tesco or, you know, other supermarkets for that matter, is that the quality perhaps may go downhill. A lot of people have suggested that certain beers have deteriorated since going into into the supermarket. So, you know, is it a case of in order to meet the price point that the supermarkets are demanding, you have to sort of dumb down recipes a little bit? There have been conversations. We've heard people out. We couldn't do what we do at the price point that was being talked about. We're not the most liberal when it comes to throwing hops and fruit and whatnot. And we, 
deliberately, you know, it's it's for the beers we want to do, but we we couldn't be profitable at the sort of prices that were being talked about. It you know, it didn't make it didn't make any sense for us. That wasn't what drove the decision. What drove the decision was didn't want to do it. But I have no idea what the economies of scale of bigger breweries are than us. But I, you know, when you're paying X amount more duty already, I don't see how you can keep doing throwing ingredients in at the level people are doing and make a profit at, you know, expense a can that Tesco's are paying you. Yeah. But, you know, the Cloudwater stuff's being brewed at Brewdog. Now, yeah. I'm, I'd hazard a guess that Brewdog are paying less for a kilogram of Galaxy than I am by, by sure. some. So who knows? Who knows? And I, I kind of, you know, I'm a very much a live and let live kind of person these days. You know, if what I would never do is say we'd never do that because actually, you know, what's the fundamental thing that matters to us out of this brewery is, you know, paying the mortgage and feeding our kids. And if the right decision is to put beer into Tesco's to do that, then that's, that's what we do. Yeah. And, and right now we don't have to, and we wouldn't want to, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit and judge someone else for doing that. If that's the, yeah. if that's the thing that, you know, they're going to do to put food on the table, you know, who, who am I, to, who am I to judge? Yeah, no, absolutely. Last point on it, because I don't want to labor it. I can totally see where the indie bottle shops would be disappointed. They're getting people coming in and asking why their beers aren't the same prices as Tesco. And of course, if you have to ask that question, then you don't really know too much about craft beer, let's be honest. But unfortunately, yeah. there are a lot of people out there that will just say, well, I can get I can get a club water at Tesco for, you know, four for 10. You're not getting the same beer, mate, but that's not what people think, unfortunately. So I can see I can see their, their anger at it, really. But I think, as you said earlier, there are plenty of other breweries to fill the gap if they decide to, to then delist a certain oh. brewery. There's plenty of of other breweries to to fill that. Absolutely, and for me, the value that independents add is being ahead of the curve. You know, it's the same with music labels or whatever. You know, you should be ahead of what Tesco's are doing. Whatever you do, if it's selling and making money, whatever product it is, the big boys are going to get on board with it. Of course, they are. So you have to, you have to be nimble and go right. What's the next thing? And that's, I think that's difficult. Because certainly with Tesco's and beer at the moment, because actually they're moving very fast and getting some kind of big name hype breweries on board. Yeah. If you get into X brewery who make whatever and you get it for 250 at Tesco's, that's a difficult sell to then go, right, I'm going to buy the same brewery for nine quid. Mm. No, no, absolutely true. But I mean, I hope certainly that uh, the, those people drinking those beers from Tesco and, yeah, Morrison's, Asda, or all the other um, supermarkets, understand that the beer that the independents are selling uh, is to- is a totally different story, you know. So uh, finishing the last bit of this uh, Peach Melba Sour, it certainly does do what it says on the tin. Um, <laughs> just even from from the first aroma to the flavour, just literally, it's getting so much peach. It's a very pleasant drink indeed. Thank you. Yeah, it's. It's gone absolutely massive for us, this beer. And it only came about because we ordered too much peach when we were doing a different peach beer. Oh, right. Okay. Do something with it. Um, <laughs> that and, works. Well, it really pains me because it was our brewer who suggested it. So, yeah. He, uh, he was right. <laughs> he was absolutely right. Yeah. And I, I, I don't like to give him any credit. But um, <laughs> but I have, to, I have to hold my hands up. And it just 
it ticks a lot of the boxes that the Philly Sour does as well. It's still yeah. quite a low ABV, 4.3, and it's it's not that sour, but it's fruity and just refreshing. And it's a re- again, it's another nice summer day beer. Yeah. People who are cider fans and have not really got into beer, I, I think sours are the, are the way to sort of get them in because there's not a there's there's quite a lot of similarities in the flavor profile of a sour and a cider. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing an install job at a new distillery in Edinburgh that's kind of doing stuff and they're putting beers on, and I was doing some staff training yesterday, and that's exactly what I said. You know, if you've got cider drinkers, you're not got a cider one, just just give them a taste of it and see what they think, and you know. Yeah. It, it's fruity it's acidic it's you know it's what they're looking for yeah no absolutely so i am going to now crack open the fourth beer which is your subsequent ipa yeah 5.4 percent and we're using brew one and talus hops here now talus is a, a very popular new hop at the moment isn't it yeah it seems to be um it's uh, you always. I mean, you have funny conversations with the hot merchants where you know it's like, what have you got that's new? And they ask what you're looking for, and you go, well, tropical fruits, <laughs> <laughs> basically the same but with a different name, please. Um, so and um, you know, so we we gave Talos and Brew One a a trial. They they work really well together. Um, you know, the Brew One's got quite a sort of pineappley nose to it. And the the talus is more more in like more sort of just the development of things that have gone before in the kind of grapefruity vibe. And this is the kind of closest we get to that sort of New England thing. It's quite low bitterness. It's light malts, and it's you know a, a decent amount of dry hopping for kind of. It's funny after drinking a sour, the bitterness hits more. So really? it, yeah, I, I, I haven't had a taste of it yet. So that's. Uh... It's, it's it's not a bit of beer by any stretch, but I find after, after a sour, you can just pick up the bitterness on your palate. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, wow. But it's uh, so low bitterness, it's, you know, it you wouldn't notice it if you hadn't had a sour previously. Yeah, that's oh, interesting. Because I've always, uh, well, a few people have told me that uh, a sour is a nice palate cleanser. But actually, what you're saying here is it's actually to, to amplify the hops on this beer. Yeah, well, certainly the bittering hops. I think bitterness is a very interesting taste sensation, I guess, you know, in that I always find bitter beers are quite difficult to pair with food because that bitterness can really, it doesn't often work well with food, for me anyway, um, which I guess is why we've moved towards low bitterness beers and and that kind of thing. But yeah, Mm. you know, we don't, we don't put any bittering hops at all in the sours because there's a, there's a clash. It's sort of, you know, the sourness gets the tip of your tongue and the bitterness gets the back. And they, for me, they don't play well together. But Yeah. Yeah. Have you got a favorite hop? We've been using Galaxy an awful long time and I, I really like it. I, um, way back when we started, you know, we had 3000 litre fermenters, which is nothing. You know, we were, we were putting out 30 kegs a week. Well, cask back then. So we're doing blonde and that had Galaxy in it. And, you know, we got a phone call from the, the hop merchant one day saying there's been a hailstorm in Australia. The galaxy crop's been wiped out. You're not getting any next year. And, you know, that's a di- that's a difficult, um, mm. difficult bit of planning. But it's it's just got that lovely kind of soft tropical fruit thing. But 
every time I get an email, you know, we've got two or three hop merchants we use, and every, every time I get an email from them, there's, there's a new hop now, and you're kind of looking for something that's different but the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's when you're doing an IPA, people want tropical fruit, and there's there's only so much variation on that that a hop's going to give you. I, I've got a lot of, awful lot of time for noble hops. You know, we do a lager that is just SARS, plain SARS, and it's that, you know, spicy herbal sort of lager flavour, and I the beer I will go back to in the fridge is a lager. Mm. You know, when I when I knock off on a Friday, that's kind of the one I want. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's not a hop that's going to knock your socks off, but it's that it's that reassuring kind of just it's just a lager, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. It's it's great getting the new hops in and just whacking them into something and see what happens. And uh, I'm really pleased with the the combination of these two in this IPA. For me, it's yeah. this is. IPA we've done for me. No, it is a very, very nice indeed. It's um, what was the ABV? Did you say five? Uh, five is it five three five four? I, I five point four. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this is this is you get back to the naming conversation, and at five point four, you probably call it a pale ale, but pick <laughs> IPA on, and you sell twenty percent more. Um, yeah. 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 I have got a question for you that has come from the guest in the last episode. Yep. Uh, that was Jeremy, the head brewer from Utopian Brewing. Our head brewer is a Jeremy as well. Is he really? Excellent. Here is Jeremy asking his question. What is going to be, in your opinion, the beer trend? So the style that becomes the biggest style, the next cool thing, you know, in 2022 after hazies are done with, what are we going to see? Oh, if I knew that, I'd be a much richer man than I am. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I don't, I don't see where it goes next. You know, there's, there's obviously in sort of, in Cool Bear world, we're all, we're all back on lagers. But is that, you know, is that the next big thing? That's always been the big thing. That's always been 90% of the market anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, and it strikes me that everything's cyclical. We'll go, people have been trying to relaunch West Coast Pale IPAs for the last couple of years. And I, I don't see hazy IPAs and big fruited sours going anywhere any quickly, uh, very quickly. You know, I think, I think for the foreseeable, we're just going to see a progression of that. Harking back to the other half beer we had earlier, I, that style has gone as far as it can go. As for what's next, God, you tell me. You tell me and tell me in secret and we'll do it. <laughs> We've been, I've been behind the curve for my eight-year brewing career, so I'm, I'm not going to start predicting any trends now. Right. Okay. So what question would you like to ask the next guest? I think an interesting question, and I, I have my views on it, is kind of harking back to the supermarket question. Do we owe the people who've supported us on the way up anything? Or have they bought a product and sold it for a profit and that's it? I very much know my answer. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear people's honest opinions on that. Okay, thanks for that question. I'll definitely ask that to the next guest. So before we go, I just want to ask another thing as well about your scheme called Drinklusion. Yes, yeah. Um, so we, uh, you know, we kind of, we're very aware that craft beer kind of is very, well, it's very white and very middle class and it's kind of, 
it's synonymous with gentrification. And, you know, I, I, I come from a middle-class background. I'm from Salford, you know, and that's very much not a middle-class background. It comes from Croydon. And we kind of, we wanted to do what we could besides things like employment practices and that kind of thing to actually give something back. So when we started Canon, um, we said we're going to, you know, we're going to give a bit from every can we're going to put into a fund and um, find things that encourage inclusion in any way that things that fit in nicer with what we do. Um, we we had to put a temporary pause on it during at the start of COVID because we were like, not sure if we're going to make through, but we're back up distributing funds again now. So the last the last money we gave out, we gave a grant to um, a charity called Bikes for Refugees um, in Edinburgh. Um, and it's actually a guy, a guy I used to be in a band with, and I didn't, I didn't know because I hadn't seen him in years, <laughs> worked for this charity and they got in touch and they, they very much do what they say on the tin. They, they provide bikes for refugees because um, there, are, there are so many barriers for people coming from, you know, war zones to actually participate in society you know they're legally not allowed to work they get five five pounds a week five pounds a week till you know just what are you doing with that so just what could you do in england and well scotland but for five pounds it just it, yeah it's and you know they have an entire right-wing press machine vilifying them for the you know the barefaced temerity to not want to live in syria while it's being bombed yeah. You know, they, they moved to uh, a lot of them moved to Scotland and the guy who set it up um, actually, he just he worked for the NHS and he, he met a refugee and was talking to him and heard all of this and felt like he had to do something. So they they basically they get bikes, they service them and they give them to refugees, adults, kids, everything. And it just enables them to you know, get to a job interview. You got five pounds a week. Well, a, you know, a day ticket on the Edinburgh buses is three quid. You know, it's. So things like that. And so that was the last one. And then we've got some other guys who are going to get some money shortly. There's a charity called Stay Up Late. They work with, so people who require care, you know, care often operates nine to five, but people who require care, they want to go to the pub. They want to go to gigs. They want to, you know, participate in things that we all take for granted so it's about funding carers to go along with them to things like that um and then there's there's a whole bunch of people who we've we've either given cash to or will be doing very literally next week actually there's a bunch going out um and you know we're at the moment we're tiny you know these the grand to bikes for refugees was by far the biggest thing we've done but as we've sold more and more cans you know this this kind of pot of cash has got bigger um so we're hopeful that as we grow, it will become something that can really actually actually help people. And I, I'm one thing I hate is thinking that, you know, we give some money, that's fine. So we're, we're very aware of employment practices and things, you know, where, where we can try and be better. But yeah, it's, you know, if you're selling beer for 253 quid a can, you can probably stick a couple of P in a pot, a penny in a pot and, you know, yeah. And do something do something good with it hopefully excellent well well done for doing that it sounds like a fantastic scheme and is it is it that you select um a charity for a certain period and and all the five p's from from you know from those cans during that period go to that charity so as you were saying the the amount will differ depending on how much you sell during that period of time or um it's it's really 
So what we want to do, um, and this was what I was chatting to the guys, at, what, I, what we don't want to do is kind of go, here's a chunk of cash, we never speak to you again. Um, what we want is sort of long-standing relationships and, and help out. And this, this is all coming down the line. Um, what we haven't been good at is actually publicising this and using what, what social media reach we have to actually publicise these charities a bit more. This was this was all in the in the plans for this year, and then this year went a bit down the pan. So, yeah. we want to we want to work with people more than just kind of going here's some money. But equally, for some charities, you know that that might work, or for some, you know, it might be actually that there's a little gap that we can plug and help out and and do that. But yeah, there's there's a core of four or five that we want to work with in the long term and then where there's where there's anything else hopefully hopefully do that as well i mean there's there's only so much you can do you know we're very small and we run on tight margins so sure yeah it's um we can't we can't do everything we'd like to but a few years down the line once we've got all the costs of our expansion moving out of the way i think we'll be able to do a lot more but the other thing is there's a lot there's a lot of cases where actually there's things you can you know you can throw some beer at and that that helps out when you know if it's events and things like that mm. you know, we're yeah. like it's part of a fundraising event that they're that they're doing oh yeah. absolutely yeah there's been there's been plenty of that and just little things like that you know the cost the cost to us of that is minimal but actually that just that just helps out enormous enormously for for some of these things so yeah it's it's something we want to make more of and do more of. And once <laughs> once this year has shaken out, um, I think we'll, we'll, we will be speaking a lot more about that. One of the difficulties of having kind of set up, at having spent eight years running a social media account that takes the piss out of everything is then trying to be sincere. <laughs> it's a yeah. tone of voice switch is difficult because, you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to turn people off and, yeah. you know, it's almost as if you need like a kind of the the pilot serious account and the and the the pilot jokey account to to be able to delineate the two. But no, I, I guess that's the thing. You know, if people following the Twitter account, then you know every so often something thrown in that's a bit more serious, a bit more earnest, uh, doesn't hurt at all. No, not at all. And I, I I I think we actually have the Twitter account is what it is but i think it's one of the most honest twitter accounts there is because the jokes all come from a place of reality you know um if we're taking the piss out of something it's something that needs the piss taken out of it um yeah. and I, I think sometimes there is a depth behind humor that there perhaps isn't when people are being earnest i don't know if that makes much sense no um, i see what you mean and i think sometimes actually that's when the jokes hit the mark more so when there is uh, a lot of honesty in it um when it's just sort of a joke for joke's sake that's one thing but uh joking on current affairs and on things that uh, that really just are quite ridiculous i mean we talking earlier on about the european super league um you know all those things are are there to be taken the piss out of because quite frankly you know they are stupid what's going on so yeah and you know i i joke a lot about hating life in the brewery and of course i don't but if one of the one of those jokes comes up, you can bet I've had a terrible day on with a canning line playing up or something. You know, it's they all come from 
they all come from something real, apart from the bees, obviously. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I like that. I, I do like that. That was very clever about the bees. Excellent work on the drinklusion thing. Um, you know, as I think we've we've said before, the the beers are awesome. They're great value for money as well, but also if people know that they are donating you know five pence of everything that they're buying to these great worthy charities then they can feel you know all warm and fuzzy inside especially, <laughs> when, they've, especially when they've had four i'm feeling all warm and fuzzy inside already so <laughs> me too i've got to go and cook my tea now which is <laughs> anything could happen oh absolutely absolutely pat it's been fantastic talking to you thank you so much for spending the time oh not at all paul it's it's, it's always a bit flattering when people want to talk to you you're like really no um, absolutely and you know that all four beers that i've had tonight have been um absolutely awesome um really enjoyed all of them uh you know you've added two more sours to the list of sours that i like um which as i said it's not a massive list but um definitely they're there too and the philly sour was really interesting you know given that as we were, we were talking that it wasn't uh, a fruited sour that it was, you know, all, all that sound is coming from the yeast. That was a really, really interesting beer. It's it's probably my favourite of the new beers we've done in any time recently because it is, it's so simple, but it's actually got an awful lot going on. Yeah. But thanks very much for your time and uh, look forward to, to speaking to you in, uh, in person and, and sharing a pint with you in person. Definitely. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. Cheers. I really enjoyed chatting with Pat there and very much enjoyed drinking those beers. As regular listeners will know, I'm not the biggest uh, fan of sours, but those two were really good, really hit the mark. The Philly Sour, um, the Philly Table Sour was a really interesting beer, so I'd recommend you check that out. Certainly if you're a sour fan, but hey, perhaps even if you're not a sour fan, to be honest. Uh, The Blonde was very good as well, really enjoyed that as well as the subsequent IPA too, which, as Pat said, he thinks is their best IPA that they've done. Um, I can't speak for the others because I don't think I've had all of their IPAs, but certainly it was an exceptional beer. So here's a little roundup of some of the other beers that I've been drinking recently. And as pub gardens are open now, I've had a couple of afternoons out. So first I went to the Surrey Oaks pub in Parkgate near Dorking, Surrey. Uh, It's a traditional 16th century country pub, but with a difference. It's got a keg bar and stocks a great range of craft beers. Um, I had um, the Verdant Combined Whimsy, which I enjoyed, and Colonel IPA, or it was a West Coast IPA, which was, as you'd expect from the Colonel, absolutely exceptional. And then finish it off as a kind of uh, dessert with the North Bruco and Duggars collaboration, uh, which was just plainly titled Stout, uh, but was really, really good beer. Uh, I also went to Western Brewery Taproom, my guests in episode 10, um, and had a a nice uh, couple of beers there. Uh, My son was with me. Well, he was with me at the Surrey Oaks as well. He just had uh, the, the first one with me. But this time I got him to try a lager yeah i don't think he's had a lager before so he had the um, hell's bells while i had hop rocket um, and then i had a nitro stout and we had some great food as well from the food van that was there that day meet the chef uh, so other beers i've been drinking well actually i've been drinking a lot from some of the uh, previous guests 
to be honest, as well. So um, I've had a couple from Siren, who, of course, were my guests way back in episode two, had uh, their, their stout Mavka, and also one of the fairground trio of beers, the Waltzer, and, and they were very, very good, as you'd expect. Um, I also had something from Big Brewery, uh, episode 19's guest, uh, their wonderful Strangers. And, of course, the guest in episode 18 was uh, Rock Leopard, and I had one of their uh, IPAs, Kushti Manushki, Seventh Son of a Moo Cat. And, uh, yes, the beer was every bit as good as that name. So then going back to episode 7, the guests there were Manchester's Marble Brewery, and I had a can of the Marble Stout, which I always enjoy every time I have that as well. Uh, Then I've also had quite a few from Northern Monk, and of course they were my guests in episode 16. So I've had uh, a couple of their patrons projects, the 2106, the DDH IPA, which was excellent, um, and also some of their um, old flax store beers, um, number 17, 30 and 31, all really, really good. Uh, And then some that haven't been guests, but who knows, in the future, I had uh, Daya's Something Good 13. Wasn't uh, aware of the fact that they'd continued it from uh, 12. I thought it was just a one-year project, but was very happy to see number 13 and even happier to drink it. Um, And I've also had a a few other Colonel beers other than the one that I mentioned at the Surrey Oaks. I had their Export Stout on, on Raspberry, which was absolutely sublime. And also their Pale Ale Simcoe, which uh, I really enjoyed too. Um, and then another guest, one that very recent, of course, in episode 22, the last episode, I also had a few of Utopian's lagers, uh, the Dark Lager and the Premium British Lager and Unfiltered Lagers, which uh, again were absolutely exceptional. So thank you so much again for joining me. Please follow my socials, which are at Beer Prime UK on both Twitter and Instagram. And also subscribe to this podcast on a platform you're listening to. And please join me again in two weeks time for the next episode.